Let me invite you to turn your Bible to Psalm 119. Once again, I trust you'll be able to be back tonight. You're working in your schedule to be able to share in the ministry here tonight. The team will share a number of songs, some other dramas. Look in the Word briefly tonight. Time for us to share together. Appreciate your prayers for the team and the ministry. You can follow us on the website. We have website information on that. It's on the table in the back. And we'd appreciate your prayers. And thanks again to this church who's greatly involved in the ministry and encouragement of the encounter and the camp. Once again, the camp brochures are back there as well. Please get a camp brochure. Young people come to camp. Many of them come. We have special weeks for little kids and junior high and senior high. And uh, you'll want to get involved in that. We have a great time. All the singers you saw here are counselors. They all work at the camp and uh, share in the ministry there. I want you to think with me for a few moments this morning about, a ser- I think, a serious subject, serious area, and that is the matter of carnal Christianity, the cause and the cure of carnal Christianity. And a carnal Christian would be one, a person that claims to be Christ but walks and lives and conducts their life the principles of the world. Paul said, as he wrote, he said to the Christians, he said, I would, I'd like to write to you as mature, but I can't because you are carnal. And so he dealt with this matter of carnal Christian. Well, I want to answer the question, why is that? What, what takes place? We want to think about the importance of the Bible. Where does the Bible, where is the Bible in your life? Now, I know all of us probably bring it to church, although many times we forget to do that. We bring it to church, we, we have it here, and it's on our lap now, but where is it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday? So I thought about the Bible, I thought of some unique experiences. Years ago, we were in, we were in Russia. It's our joy every year to go to another country in, in ministry. And we were in Russia, and as we arrived at the church that Sunday morning, it was a small church, but it was packed. Uh, there were no cars in the parking lot because they, they didn't have any vehicles. This was just after the, it had been opened up so we could come into the country. And we went into the church and the place was packed. And we thought we got there an hour early. And we got in, the place was packed. We worked our way down to the front because they knew we were coming. And, and with my interpreter, I apologized to the pastor. Uh, sorry that we were late. He said, oh, that's okay. He said, we always come one hour early before church to sing and pray. The place was packed before one hour early to sing and to pray. Well, during that time of ministry, we also had the joy of distributing some Bibles. And our team members had been given some Bibles, some Russian Bibles, and we were distributing those. And I remember looking out out in the auditorium as one of our team members was talking to a lady there and handed her a Bible. And then I noticed she began to cry. And so I asked for an interpreter to go interpret what was going on. And she came and sent the word back. She was an elderly lady. She said, I prayed for a Bible, an entire Bible, my whole life. I'd never had a whole Bible. And she cried when we handed it to her. The next day or so, we were to go downtown and distribute more Bibles. By the way, it's an interesting procedure, interesting there. Now, remember, this is just, the country had just been opened up. In fact, it was kind of um, interesting that we were even there. But the pastor said, he said, I have Bibles. I said, well, we would like to distribute them. He said, you come at, it gave us a certain time, meet me here in this room. And we came to the church, we went across, and it was an old, junky, looked like a place where you'd store stuff. And he opened up that door, and then he opened up another door, and he took us through a corridor down into the ground. We walked uh, probably, oh, it was um, 
it was twice as far as here at the back of the auditorium, down into the ground. And we came to another door and opened that door and there were cases and cases of Bibles. They'd been hidden there because all this time they were not allowed to distribute them. So he handed, I think we had about 10 guys on the team. He handed each guy a box and we walked back out. He locked the door and we went out to the bus. We had chartered a bus. We went downtown to pass out Bibles. Now, nobody knew who we are. There was no sign on the bus. There was nothing there that indicated who we are, except they did tell us that the, the, police were, the police were watching us, but they were the only ones. And we opened up the bus. We opened up the side of the bus and opened up the bay of the bus and opened up the boxes and began to distribute Bibles. We couldn't even get away from the bus. They actually pinned us to the side of the bus to get Bibles. When we'd finished distributing all we had at that point, one man came along and he said, I have money, I, I will buy one. They wanted to buy a Bible. That's how people treat the Bible when they don't have one. In Moldova, we arrived at the church early. The church was locked, so we were waiting for a few moments. And there were some benches outside. It was beautiful weather, some benches outside. And some of the teams sat down on the benches and they laid their Bible down beside them. One of the Moldovan people came up to come to church, they saw the Bible laying on the ground. They quickly corrected us. Oh, you never lay the Bible on the ground. Your Bible would, in Moldova, your Bible would never be lower than you. If you're holding it here, you would never put it down there, and you would never put it on the ground. In Moldova, in another church, out in the middle of nowhere, had the joy of sharing the gospel. And back in the crowd, I watched this older lady with my interpreter, Mihai, and he then led her to the Lord through the message. She was 80-some years old. The power of God's word, the power of the word of God, yet it's the least read book, probably, even among Christians. I submit to you that the, the great problem today the cause of carnal Christianity is the neglect of reading and studying the Word of God. This will fit on your outline. It's the neglect of studying the Word of God. We have time to do everything. We have time to play ball games. We have time to rest. We have time to go on trips. We have time to do everything. We have time to eat. Most of us are good at that. I've never heard anybody say, Preacher, I just didn't have time to eat it all this week. But you know, I've heard a lot of people say, I didn't have time to read my Bible. I submit to you, it's the reason that there is an overwhelming flood of carnal Christians today who live like the world, talk like the world, smell like the world, act like the world, and do everything that the world does, except we give God one whole hour on Sunday. The only difference is, but the difference is, we claim to be Christians. What happened? Well, we didn't stay in the book. Now, in Psalm 119, I'm, we're just going to read the first nine verses. You know this is the longest chapter in the Bible. But in this longest chapter in the Bible, nearly every verse has a verse that deals with the Word of God. This is not just another book that you hold in your hand. This is the Bible. And we want to look at some unique things about the Bible this morning in these few moments. 
to remind us all the importance of God's word. If you find yourself a carnal Christian today, that means you're a Christian. But as far as life is concerned and living is concerned, you live by the principles and the guidelines of the world. And God doesn't have much impact in your life in your carnal Christian. If you find yourself there, I think you, if you're really honest, you'll, you'll say, it's because I haven't been in the book. The Bible has not been my ruling guideline for life. Psalm 119, verse 1, it says, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies, that seek him with a whole heart. They also do no iniquity, they walk in his ways. Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. I will keep thy statutes. Oh, forsake me not utterly. Wherewithal shall the young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. I want to remind you of some things about the Bible. There are a lot of books. You go to the library and you're amazed at all the books that Back to when I go to the books, I like to go to the books. I like to go to bookstores. I like to see where they sell books. It's amazed what people write books about. You know, you look at some of the titles, you think, this guy doesn't have anything to do. If he can write a book on that, he surely doesn't have, he's got a lot of free time. But there's books on everything. But there's no book like the Bible. Can I remember, remind us all of some things this morning? This, this Bible that you hold in your hand is from God. It's from God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God is proper for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, instruction, and righteousness. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. This is not just another book. Now, this is not a magic book. This is a divine book. This is a supernatural book. But it's from God. Not only is it from God, but this book is true. It's true from cover to cover. Now, the world can say what they want and they condemn and, and all they condemn, but it's still true. It's true. It's been proven true over the ages and it'll still be proven true in the ages to come. Not only is it from God and is it true, but it endures forever. This book, which they tried to destroy over the, over the course of history, they've taken all, they collected all the Bibles in certain parts of the world. They said, we're going to burn every Bible. So they did. They got every Bible they could find. They burned it. But out of that fire came millions of more Bibles. Bibles today. Now, it, we are much for, very fortunate here to have the Bibles. There are places around the world that don't have any. I just told you some. There are places around the world today where in those, as the believers worship together, they'll worship in a little basement, in a little cellar area, and they'll only have one Bible. And what they did is they tore the pages of the Bible apart, and each person gets a page. You get a page this week, and you get one next week, you have to bring it back because you can't keep it because we don't only have one Bible. In Myanmar today, I know of a church. They've already had services because they're ahead of us, but they met in a little corner, and he's begging for Bibles. They don't have enough Bibles. I just got pictures from him the other day. He's winning Buddhist to the Lord. But he needs Bibles. He needs Bibles. There are places that don't have Bibles. But I remind you about your Bible that you hold. It's from God. It's, it's true. It endures forever. And this book is powerful. This book is powerful. There's no speaker that could stand, for instance, in that church in Moldova, as I stood there and communicated the simple gospel through an interpreter. There was no speaker that would be able to convince a person that they were lost. But the power of God's word did that. And that 80-year-old lady accepted Christ as her personal Savior, even though she couldn't understand the word that I was speaking, but she could understand 
through the interpreter, the power of God's word. The, the Bible says that the, this word is powerful, it's sharper than the quicker. It divides even to the innermost parts of the being. And if you're honest, and if you're a believer, there's been a time when you sat down and you opened up the book and it went right to your heart. That's what the Word of God does. It's a powerful book. The Word of God purifies. There's no other book that purifies. Wherewithal shall the young man cleanse his way? By taking heed to the Word of God. We are impure in many cases because we are not in the book. And the book is what purifies. As we come to the Word of God and we read the Word of God and we're saturated with the Word of God, it purifies the inner man. And not only that, it gives food for the soul. Oh, we need food for the soul. We live in a day when the soul of man and women and young people is confused. It's upset. It's noisy. Did you realize, you ever notice how we can't stand the quiet? We can't stand the quiet. It's quiet for about a minute, second, and somebody says, say something. Or turn something on. Inside our soul is noisy. It, can't be, it needs to be quieted. You know, one of the things I really enjoy and appreciate about music, godly music, is that it ministers to the soul. You know, sometimes I really believe that all folks really need on Sunday or Wednesday or whenever it is, they need to come sit down, be ministered to their soul by the power of God. This is just the Bible. It's being sung to you. It's food for the soul. What are some of the blessings? What are you missing out on if you're not reading the Word of God? What are some of the blessings and benefits? Well, peace brings great peace to be in the Word of God. In Psalm, look over at verse number 165 in this chapter you're looking at. Here's a key verse. I've underlined it in my Bible. Great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Great peace. You want to have great peace? You want to have great peace in getting all the money you can... Money's good. That doesn't bring peace. You want to have great peace in getting all possessions or great friends or, or many friends or reputation, but it comes in the book. That's what the scripture says, great peace. The benefit of being in the word of God is it gives us power to overcome and to resist sin. Someone well said years ago, sin will keep you from the Bible or the Bible will keep you from sin. You need power to resist. You can't. You don't have power to resist by pulling yourself by, up by your own bootstraps. It is the Word of God. It gives us power to resist sin. You know, two things we receive when a person receives Christ as their personal Savior. They are free. They receive the freedom from the penalty of sin and the freedom from the power of sin. You know, there's no other way that you can defeat sin in your life without the power of Christ in your life. And his power through the word of God gives us that to resist temptation and resist sin. It brings great joy. The prophet said, as he, as he ate the word of God, it brings great joy. Don't you like it when you sit down to a meal? Some, I better not talk about meal. It's getting too close. You think about sitting down to a meal and you devour that food. And you say, oh, this makes me feel so good. Well, the Bible does more than that. It brings joy to the soul as we devour it. It gives us understanding. You know, I think one of the reasons that we have such a problem with 
difficulties and trials and problems in this life and things that are going on is because we don't have an understanding. We don't have an understanding of God's. Paul said we're looking at things here instead of looking at them in relationship to here. We're looking at things that are temporal, not things that are eternal. So we need great understanding. The Bible gives that. Not only does that, but the Bible gives us strength for every day. You ever get to a place where you said, I cannot go any longer. I am going to quit. I give up. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings as eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. In an hour when you feel like it's all over. In an hour of tragedy. In an hour of hurt. In an hour of question. The Bible gives strength. Not only does the Bible give strength, but it gives freedom. It gives us freedom. It sets us free from the old life. Gives us freedom to walk in in the new way. Nothing like being free. And it gives us freedom. The Bible, God's word, gives us a clear life. That's what it said in this verse, in verse number 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. It's great to be clean. We wash up, we fix up to be clean. You always feel better when you're clean. The word of God. Gives us direction. Paul said about having a clean life. He said, let's take all the filthiness out of this temple. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. The Bible gives us guidance. Oh, I know. I tell the team members, there's not a verse in there that says, thou shalt marry, and it doesn't have her or his name. (laughs) They're looking for that verse, but it's not there. But the Bible does give us guidance, tells us how to live. Do you know that there's direction for every area of life in this book? Every area. Your money, how you dress, how you work, how you act at home, what you're supposed to do on the job, what you're not supposed to do. Everything. In fact, I was really drawn to this when I went to India for the first time. When I went to India for the first time, I looked around. And as I was there for a number of days, I came away thinking, this is what a society is like who is void of the Bible. It affects every area. It affects how you people live on the street, how they act, every area. The Bible, God's, God's Word, has affected and does affect every area of our life. Now, what a lot of people do is they wait until they have to make a major decision in life. And then they run into God and say, Quick, God, I need an answer. By tomorrow. Of course, they haven't been with Him. They haven't been in the book. They've been living a carnal Christian life. They're sort of like the guy that goes to the doctor. He's sick, sick, sick. He goes to the doctor, barely can make it to the door. And Doc says, what do you got? And he says to the doctor, what do you got? I need to get over this by tomorrow. Doctor's always usually good about reminding us, hey, this is no quick cure. What you've got is going to take time to get over. We want God's guidance. We want what the word of God does give us personal guidance. Well, why don't we read the Bible? Why are we not in the Bible? What's the problem? I think one of the problems is worldliness. We're indulging in the wrong thing. You know what you ought to really indulge in is the book. Indulge in the book. Paul said in Colossians, he said, set your affection on things above, not on things of this world. We are indulging in this world. We say to people, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through, but we often live like we're going to stay here forever. Like the things we're going to accumulate, we're going to take with us. So worldliness has consumed our thinking, 
It's consumed our time. It's consumed our efforts. It's consumed our energy. We are more concerned about the things of the world than we are about things of God. We are not in the Word of God because of lack of self-discipline. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, he said, I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest, I, lest by any means I myself should be a castaway. That's self-control, self-discipline. You can say, I'm going to have my daily quiet time. That's good. You ought to do that. Now, as soon as God wakes me up, I'm going to have it. You'll be sleeping. God doesn't wake people up. Now, there are times, I understand, and I've had some times like this where I woke up in the middle of the night, and I really felt like God was saying something special. But those are rare occasions. The other occasions, they call alarm clock, what gets you up. And God doesn't send any angel by your room to get you up. It's self-discipline. So I would have got up, but I just couldn't get out of bed. Hey, listen, let me, get, let me suggest something to you. If I was to tell you that if you keep track of every morning that you have a quiet time for the next 10 days, I will give you $100 for every day that you have a quiet time. I suspect that self-discipline will take control quickly. Well, I'll tell you what, it's worth more than $100. I don't have it to pay, but it's worth more to you. But the lack of self-discipline is a problem. Unconfessed sin. The longer we keep sins in our life, the things we're not dealing with, they're known sins. Hebrews says, let's lay aside the weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. The longer we keep those, the further we're going to get away from this book. And the more we have of those, the less we'll be drawn to the word. But maybe we could condense it all into one simple answer. I don't really care. I'm unconcerned. It doesn't make any difference whether I read the Bible or not. Isn't it tragic? When we get ready to go to church on Sunday morning and say, Anybody seen my Bible? And the little guy, our little son says, Hey, Dad, I saw it in the backseat of the car where you left it last Sunday. General unconcern. It doesn't make any difference whether I read the Bible or not. It doesn't make any difference whether I communicate with God or not. Oh, we're, we're good at praying, aren't we? God bless this bunch as they eat this lunch. Oh, God, please bless the missionaries around the world. You don't want God to bless everybody? You don't want God to bless everybody that calls himself a missionary around the world? A lot of people that call themselves that are not doing at all what the Scripture talks about. God sent his cat. We're good at those things, but how about spending time with God? You know, how you, get to, you know how you get to know God? You know how you move from carnality to spiritual maturity and spiritual growth? Spending time with Him. How do we spend time with Him? In the book, waiting for Him, studying the Word of God, thinking it through, letting God speak to our heart. We've got to get concerned about it. Well, what should I do? How can I rebuild the light, my life in the Word again? What should I do? Well, the first thing we need to do is we need to read it. We need to study it, and we need to do it every day. Now, don't get excited. I'm not suggesting that tomorrow that you get up in the morning and say, listen, I'm going to read through the whole Bible today. That's probably not a very good goal. And I'm not suggesting you call your boss and tell him, listen, boss, I really was convicted yesterday to church, and I'm going to stay home and read my Bible today. You might have lots of time to read your Bible he might really help you. <laughs> I'm not suggesting that. 
Well, I am suggesting that we all need to cut out time every day when we... If this book... Listen, if somebody walked through that door off the street and they said, I have no hope, I have no answers, I don't know what to do, nobody's going to grab a hymn book and start singing hymns to them. Although they're powerful, they're going to grab the Bible and they're going to read verses in the Bible. You need to read it and study it. This book... You have had, like I had this morning, I came to a verse that I've been to hundreds, probably thousands of times. And I looked at that verse, and it was new and fresh, like I'd never read it before. You need to read and study the Bible. What else do I need to do? I need to follow it and obey it. It's not enough just to read it and study it. Somebody said, I was reading through the whole Bible. Are you obeying it? Are you following it? James says, don't be just a hearer of the word, but be a doer of the word. Not just enough. To, you, you said to your children, did you hear me? Now, you didn't mean, did you hear you? you are you going to do what I told you to do? That's what God would say. Did you hear me? Are you following it? You know, there ought to be a difference in us. That's why Paul wrote to the church. And he said, you're carnal. I would like to speak to you as spiritual, but I can't. You know, we're not supposed to be like this world. Now, we're not supposed to be weird. But we're not supposed to be like this world. We're supposed to be different. How do we differ? As we follow and obey the word of God. The word of God becoming the center of my life. If it's going to become the center of my life, I've got to examine my life by this book. We've got to quit examining our life by each other. What we do is we, if we examine our life by each other, we, exa- we find somebody that is lower than in our eyes. So it makes us look good. Not very many people want to say, I'm going to examine my life by David Livingston. Or Hudson Taylor. I don't pick those guys. We need to examine our life by this book. Paul said, examine your life. And when you do, take all the, everything that you see that's wrong in your life, filthiness in your temple, take it out. What else do I do? If I'm going to make the Bible the center of my life, and you're going to, you'll have to meditate. They'll get these two little words, in and on the book. Meditation. What is meditation? Now, you can meditate on anything. Spiritual meditation is the conscious discipline of the mind to think on spiritual things. Meditation is not easy. Daydreaming is easy. That's where you read a verse, look at the sky piously, and think about what you're going to do tomorrow. That's daydreaming. Meditation is where you actually read a verse, you concentrate on it, You discipline your mind and your spirit to think on that verse and allow the Spirit of God to speak to you. And you mull it over in your spirit as you study it, and it becomes real to you. Now, how often are we supposed to do this? Psalm says, meditate in the word day and night. Not just once a year, not just once a week. We don't need to meditate in the book. Not only that, we need to memorize it. Now, what are we doing this for? We're doing this to make it the center of our life. Because I don't want to be carnal. I want to be spiritual. Memorize the book. Thy word have I hid in my heart. Sometimes we've done such a good job of hiding it, we can't find it. We've hid it in our heart. You need to memorize the book. I don't think there's one person in this room would say, I've memorized enough verses. I've memorized all the verses. You know, I don't think there's one. I haven't. I need to memorize more. And I'm working on that. To memorize the word of God. 
Let me give one last thought. You need to share what you are learning with others. A little wording here is a little different, but share what you are learning with others. You know why that's so important? Because it becomes so real. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a missionary. You don't have to be in what we call full-time Christian service. By the way, every Christian's in full-time service, or they're not Christians. You're in full-time service wherever you go. But you can share this. You share with the people at work. You can share with the ladies that you get together with. They're on your block. You can share it with the kids at school. You can share what God's doing in your life. And you would. We will share it if it's making a difference. Wouldn't it be interesting if we went around one by one and had everybody report how much time we spent reading the Bible in the last week? Now relax, we're not going to. We're so into the quick fix deal that we don't have time to study every day or we don't take time. Somebody said, I would study if I just had more time. Guess what? You don't get any more. I would study if I had more days in the week. Guess what? You don't get any more of those either. Everybody's got the same. Everybody decides what they're going to do. If I want to, and if you, and if we want to be spiritual, and live that way and act like that, we'll have to be in this book on a regular basis. It's not a quick fix plan. It's a life journey. As we journey through life, we become more spiritual, I trust. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Becoming more spiritual. So we're sinning less, walking closer to God, knowing him more intently and personally by being in this book. In your own evaluation, could I ask you, are you spiritual or are you carnal? Well, you don't have to answer to me. But it, depend, it, it all relates to how much time we're spending in this book, which you hold in your hands, which you, says on the cover, the Holy Bible, which you say you have based everything about your life and eternity on this book. May it be as precious to us in our everyday life, as we often say it is, and become not only hearers of the word, but doers of it as well. Let's pray together.